Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. With every conversation, we hope to inspire as many as possible to keep on Dungeon Mastering. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac, and today we are going to be talking with Navar from the Secret Nerd Podcast about creating tension in your games. It is an absolute necessity to do so, and that's why we decided it would be a great conversation to have. But before we get into that, we are going to have an iTunes review. And today's iTunes review is brought to us by Dude5568999. Perfect. Perfect username. One of the best. Five stars. Very recent subscription, but glad I found it. Hitting the typical writer's block of homebrew, I found myself void of my other resources I have drained, then suddenly found myself in this block party. It's very nice jumping around to topics I need. With a vast selection of topics to pick from, you will definitely find wise guidance and creative jumpstarts. Thank you all for your wonderful content. Well, thank you, dude55689999 for that review. But with that out of the way, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. So today on the meat, we have a special guest. I always say that because I feel like every conversation and every person we bring on is special. And today we have Navar, the host of the Secret Nerd podcast. And that if you if you aren't listening, go listen. And I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about that. But Navar, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I do the same thing every episode. I'm like, I'm so excited to talk to this person. And I'm like, well, I say that every time. But it's true. Yeah. <laughs> every time. Mm-hmm. It, it so, does, yeah. At some point, it does feel disingenuous. But it's like, no, I I, I don't know. I, we're, we don't keep doing this because we don't like it. So Exactly. Yep. So I'll kick us off with the first question because uh, we have a little bit of an interview section just to get to know you a bit better before diving all the way in. But is there a little bit that you can tell us about yourself that you think our listeners would enjoy, like your RPG origin story, your favorite session, just anything like that? I've been playing TTRPGs consistently now for, I would say, close to three years, I think, if the math's right. Uh, COVID has destroyed all mm-hmm. times, so <laughs> yeah. who knows? Um, but it's probably three three years or so. And yeah, I absolutely love it. I played it the first time when I was a freshman in college which was a long time ago. And I really, really loved it then. Uh, I got to play like three sessions, three or four sessions of uh, 3.5, D&D 3.5. And I uh, was a shifter ranger. Absolutely fell in love with the class and with the idea of creating a character and like being able to play out the story and and role play. Um, still, it was very like nerve wracking back then. I do remember being like having a hard time getting into like role playing and uh, acting stuff out. And then jumping back into it later in life, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, like I had listened to, I think by that point, by the time I actually got to play it, I had listened to actual plays for maybe a year. Um, mm-hmm. I just didn't have people around me that I knew were playing the game and couldn't convince my friends to play because they wanted to play video games instead with their free time. Nerds. <laughs> yeah, nerds Those is what nerds. I um, Yeah, and so I finally reconnected with another friend through my best friend and he was playing with his fiance and so i was like hey like would you be willing to come over to the house just we can like create characters you can kind of like tell me about it he's like yeah cool so then he came over and i was like as he was there like we had like finished making our characters i was like do you think you could just like run like a quick like little session just so i could see how the like it plays out and so he did like a you know like random like made a cave put some goblins in it and we did like you know a very small encounter fast forward a couple weeks and I was like, okay, like I, I really want to play. Uh, still didn't necessarily have like a group to play with. And so I messaged him and I was like, I've got this idea for a campaign world. Like, how do you feel about me writing the campaign world? And then you run the game in the world that I create. And he was like, yeah, yeah, cool. We can figure that out. So then that's like, it started our 5e game. We did that for a while. And then I did a one shot when he couldn't GM. And then we, and then that one shot turned into another campaign. And then uh, I got Pathfinder 2E for Christmas that year and haven't looked back. Nice. 
I feel like you did a really good charisma check where you're just like, oh yeah, hey, hey, could you just like come over? I just don't know anything about this game. And I see this image of you just like, like taking out your new dice and like, yes. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, is this how you play? Yeah. Do you think you could just roll like just to do a little one shot just so I can see? And it's like in your brain, it's all of like the different actual play podcasts, like Critical Role, Adventure Zone, (laughs) you know, Friends at the Table. That's like, this is my time to shine. Yeah, that's basically it really just like it started to go. And that's the thing. Like, I've been a fantasy fan for a long time. I've been a writer um, like for my own stuff since I was a kid. So for me, it was like the story's already unfolding for me. Even like now when I play at tables, like I'll be like play, as a player sometimes and like watching somebody else GM and they're doing a great job. And all I can think about is like, this is what I would do with this storyline. This, you know what I mean? And so like, I just can't yeah. help myself. And so, yeah, it was, it was very much like, okay, like I, I, um, I don't know enough about the game to run it yet, but I, I want, I know I can, get the story going so like let's do that so coming up with like that like my early stage of it was yeah story prompts character ideas like we had another game that was gonna happen that ended up never even starting but like as soon as i heard everybody's characters i was like hey gm like here's an idea of how we could all meet like i had like because i was i was just constant um once i start hyperfixating on a thing then it you know it's all downhill from there so but yeah i mean it just it's it's been really fun to grow in the space i think so it was probably a year after that when i actually started the podcast but in that meantime i was thinking about because i was listening to actual plays like okay i really want to start a podcast and at the time i wanted to start an actual play podcast and then i was like well we can't even schedule our home games i'm not gonna (laughs) yeah attempt to schedule an actual play with my friends and so but i had been i loved listening to interviews and i think like one of the things i really enjoyed was like just getting to know like random people and the stories that they tell. And I would listen to shows like there's a former football player named Arian Foster, who he was a running back for the Houston Texans. And he had a show where he would just bring on people like that. He wanted to talk to like, he was like, I want to talk to this astronaut or I want to talk to this like trans rights activist, or I want to. And so like, you just bring these people on to the show and just sit down and talk to them. And I was so fascinated by the way that he was able to bring stories out of them. And I was like, I want to do that. Having zero experience in that, like in a structured way. So I was like, well, I guess we'll just try it and see how it goes. And uh, yeah, here we are a year and almost a half later. That's awesome. Also, after you said Arian Foster, I literally have to shut so many doors in my brain of like, don't, this is not a fantasy football <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Don't you do it, Neil. Don't you even start. I know. Okay, so Matt, ask the second question so that I don't say but literally how's Damien Pierce else. looking though. Oh my gosh, please don't start. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, Brees, Brees oh, Hall. All Come right, on, well, Hall. you got you two have fun on your new like <laughs> fantasy fantasy football team, which is I guess a fantasy podcast about fantasy football. It's been a pleasure. Peace <laughs> yeah. out. Okay, so is there anything that you're currently working on? And I always throw the caveat out due to the nature of NDAs that you can tell us about. Um, yeah. So I am in my game design arc right now. So I went from basically I had a guest on uh, Lex Titanomachy RPG on Twitter, and they created a system um, called Caltrop Core. And at the time I was interviewing them, they had just were doing a game jam on itch for that system. And they're like, you should just make a game. And I was like, well, I don't know. I've never made a game. I don't even know what I would make a game of. And as we were talking, I like the ideas were popping in my head, as I was mentioning before this happens. And um, I was like, oh, actually. So get off the call. Within a week, I've created this game. And it was just a one-page RPG. It's called The Last Detective. It's about like a detective who's trying to redeem themselves with this one last job because you are the last detective anybody would want to call. Awesome. Uh, yeah, thank you. And so I made that game. And immediately after making that one page RPG, I was like, I should make a big game. <laughs> should just, <laughs> just go big. And so since then I've been, I was in a lot of like the thinking process of it. And then over the past probably six months, I've been slowly writing this game that will be out presumably by the time that this interview comes out. Oh, snap. Uh, unless Get it's ready. like coming out tomorrow. I don't know how, it like, is. how, 
it is not. It will, it'll be out because, like, you know, we, we're getting a little bit of a back. Awesome. Um, so then you, I can all but guarantee it'll be out, and I'll make sure that we will have links to whatever you say right now. Yeah. So I am creating, I've created a game that is a Last of Us inspired um, narrative TTRPG. So it's about dealing with human conflict in a post apocalyptic world. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, this early iteration is going to be kind of like a quick start. And then over time, uh, if there's, you know, people have interest in it, then I'll just continue. Me and my friend, uh, Andrani are going to, are writing it together and we will continue to just add more, uh, lore factions, um, creature types, stuff like that. But I'm super excited for it because it's been like a true passion project. I've learned small pieces of graphic design, literally like created a new system for this because I didn't want to use an existing one because I'm stubborn and an overachiever, I guess. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's, that, that'll be out. Hopefully I'm trying to get it out for Halloween. Cause it's, you know, might as well get the spooky vibes. Yeah. And then from there, I will continue to do that. But I also have written um, an adventure for Pathfinder 2e. Um, I will be writing more adventures that will be published on Pathfinder Infinite. And hopefully, I would love to be able to write for Paizo. Uh, that's like a big goal of mine. And also anybody else who aligns with my values and also wants to hire me, I will happily write for you too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. How many dice do I need for your system? Uh, just like D&D. I made a, a D20 system. It calculates uh, successes differently. In, and so you don't have like a DC to meet or an AC to hit against. It's closer to like a PBTA game. So there's like a 20 and above is a critical. 15 to 19 is a success. And it goes kind of like tears down. So there's different things. And as those things happen, you have different uh, things that also get added on. But then, yeah, in terms of damage and other things like that, like skill use, you, you get different dice that you can use as well. Awesome. Perfect. So now we're we're here. Surprise question time. So I, I have a surprise question. I'm not normally a host out here. I'm, I'm here, but I'm enjoying it. So anyway, surprise question is going to be this. Usually this is any type of question that people could think of. My question was this. You clearly started off with some D&D. You're doing some Pathfinder. I don't know as much about Pathfinder, but maybe this question still applies. If you, your real life human self, could have one cantrip, like a level zero spell, what would it be and why? Hmm. I feel like it's got to be Mage Hand because might as well be a Jedi. It's li literally telekinesis. Uh, it's limited, right? You can't just lift a house with it, but you could also like be on the couch and just like grab that cup of coffee over there. So I feel like it has a lot of utility. I don't remember all the cantrips. Like uh, Message, obviously, that's a really good one uh, if you're close enough to somebody. Well, what about a spell? If you could have one spell, any any spell Oof. like i mean it'd be cool to do destruction spells like evocation but obviously i'm not going to like hurt people so that's not going to work sure mm -hmm. the altruistic thing would be to like take a healing spell but then people would just be relying on you to do healing all the time you know that's tough teleportation seems good you just go on vacation when you need to and not have to worry about flying i think i'm gonna stick with t teleportation yeah <laughs> yeah airports kind of suck I thought of all the bad ones again, like because we so kind of had a bit of this conversation beforehand. My go-to is tongues, because basically what you said, if you have anything that's destruction, at that point, I just assume wars yeah. will be fought over me. Healing, mm -hmm. you totally turn into a utilitarian device more than anything else. I feel like tongues is still interesting enough that like you can have a lot of things, but then like like we found this new tablet that we've unearthed. Come check it out. And you're like, oh, boom, this is what it says. You're yeah. all wrong. Uh, <laughs> but then, I, but I also think of like just the terrible ones of just like banishment. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh no. <laughs> yeah. Like you're just like, how dare you banished? Yep. Fireball. Yeah. Or how often are you going to use it? Yeah. Fireball. Okay. Well, you just burned down someone's house. I'm glad you just did this ma like massive flex. You do one spell and you burned a person's house down. Great. Yeah, I mean, so many of those, like, obviously the game is, like, it's built as a war game, right? So it's it's tough. Like, haste is an incredible spell. I think one of the best spells. But in a normal life, you have no use for haste in, in most situations. It's so... And even, like, tongues, like, I think that is a great answer. But also, it's like, you, you have to put yourself in a situation where you're, you're using it a lot. Or else it's just, like, you have a spell slot or however many spell slots a day of tongues that you just cannot use because... 
because you're not around people. You're speaking, you're around people that speak English. So, and then when you do talk to somebody, it's like, all right, after a minute though, I'm too tired to have this conversation anymore. Oh no, too tired. Mine is mold earth Mm. because like anytime I've had to like dig a hole at my house, I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever done in my entire life. I'm like, Minecraft has ruined a generation of people because it's just like, yeah, just click a few times and you've dug a hole. No, it takes time, hours, you're just sweaty. But Mold Earth, just move the dirt out of the way, now you got a cool hole. So you could also build very it, practical. Right? And it's permanent, permanent building. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think you just stack things up. It works well. So, all right. I think we got some important topics to talk about Neil don't we we do so the the first question I like asking because um and I've said it before but you know you never know if this happens to be someone's first episode they're listening to but with as many episodes as we have one of the really good questions I like for starting the foundation of our conversation about creating tension is Navar what drew you to that topic because when we first started discussing what we wanted to talk about like that's that's where we went so I always like kind of getting like where your headspace is about the yeah so I think tension came from my GM style like I enjoy creating moments when the players and the PCs don't really know what's going on and they're trying to figure it out. Um, I think it stems from my fascination with Sherlock Holmes and detective media because there's so much of that, this mystery, right? And it doesn't always, it's not always like find the clues and get the, like, sometimes the mystery is just like, who do I trust in this situation? Who, you know, what's going to be around this corner? And I think like when you can use evocative language and descriptions and charismatic characters, you can do a lot of that stuff to create those moments when the players aren't really sure what's going to happen. And I think that for me makes for really fun games and my players have enjoyed it as well. But yeah, I think it definitely stems from the narratives that I love have a ton of tension in them. And I have practiced trying to make that my brand, I guess. It's interesting to think about like Obviously, there's a level of in t- of tension that's inherent to the game itself because ultimately we're at the mercy of math rocks mm-hmm. uh, when it all comes down to it. But like even hearing you talk about it now, I I had the sudden realization that that doesn't actually matter if there wasn't some element of tension leading up mm-hmm. to it because it could be the you know the BBEG and here we go and but if I don't care, it doesn't matter. Like there's no tension in win or fail like. Unless it's been laid out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's really, it, it just dawned on me in this very moment. And that's why I'm excited to have every conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, just this moment that like, if you're not adding that tension in leading up to things, then the dice rolls, they don't, they don't essentially matter. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, like the big thing it comes down to is like how you frame it, right? You, you really have to be as, especially as like a GM, like you have to understand your players, you have to talk to them and figure out like what their character motivations are, figure out the things that like, I mean, obviously you do a session zero. I'm sure this is something to have covered uh, multiple times, but like, you, you know, in the session zero, but also after games, during games, like talk to your players, pay attention to what they're doing, how they're responding to certain things. And that will tell you a lot about ways that you can either add an element or remove an element to create tension in those moments. One of the early examples that I have from our home game um, is my friend created a character. She wanted to be an alchemist uh, in Pathfinder 2e. And um, she's sort of like, can basically create potions and bombs at will and throw them. Um, and it's incredible. And yeah, and she wanted to have a mentor. And the where we were at in the story, because she had joined basically post my friend already having his sessions, they were like trying to break up this encampment. And uh, so she started out being imprisoned and having been captured. So we break free and um, she's like, okay, like I would like to find my mentor now. I'm like, cool, mentor's not around. And so <laughs> instant tension, right? Um, because it's like, well, hang on. Uh, I wrote in in my backstory, we came together. Yes, you did come together. And, uh, and now he is no longer there. And so, yeah. So as they like explored and like had their encounters and stuff, they start to find all these different things. They go out onto the river. They find these ships that have been docked on the river and they're trying to figure out like, who are these people? Why are they here? 
they enter the ship, they go down into the lower deck, and there's a hole in the wall. There's two handcuffs on on the wall next to the hole, and then there is a piece of a person next. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be too graphic. Um, and and but basically, some uh, the clue right for her was that uh, something was left behind, and I added in elements of her god using a wasp to kind of indicate that this was important and then it became a rescue mission and also like okay what like what's going on so yeah i mean like so i think like things like that like again taking an element out you have this person now this person is gone and you have to solve where they are figure out where to go to find them and then once you get there to find them figure out how to rescue them and so sometimes it's it it is that easy sometimes it's just like here's a very big thing in your backstory and we can and we can do that. So do you find that when you are looking to build this tension that you're relying mostly upon like the player content like what they're bringing to the table or do you have um some like possible story beats like yeah this is going to be like a pretty tense moment just because with understanding of like narrative and structure and that type of thing. Yeah, I think it's both, right? The the players will often even if they don't realize it drop a lot of gems for a for a gm so i think like like i said you really got to pay attention because they're going to leave things in there that they'll just say offhand and then you're like oh yeah you're not gonna remember this but i will remember this yeah um and it'll come back to bite you um and other times yeah it is it is story beats i do definitely think about like an overarching story i don't do a lot of i don't do a ton of prep i think that people who prep a lot more power to you it's not personally my thing i am like a between sessions, thinking about all the different twists and turns that the players could go, and then thinking about okay, if they take this twist, then this is the this is where we'll go next. And if they take this turn, then this is where we'll go next. And uh, so far, that has served me. But within that, I do have like these are overarching things that I want to hit. And so in that same game, later on down the road, we had a situation where they were trying to like okay, they figure out who these people were that were in their area, and they wanted to help get them out. So they're trying to have this meeting with the council. And so I had a servant from the council come and let them know like, hey, yeah, I will lead you to the place where you can have this meeting and takes them to the place, takes them up to their room, locks the door and tries to assassinate them uh, because they oh, were not expecting <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. And so like this in itself was like, obviously this is a high tension moment because it's like, well, hang on. Like you're associated with the wrong people. How did you even find out about us? Right. All of these questions go through their head of like, how did, how did we get found out? Who do we trust? It changed that dynamic of how they interacted with everybody in the town to the point where like, there was an NPC that helped them from day one that they were like insight check on everything that he, and I'm like, sure. this, mm-hmm. like literally saved your life, uh, but okay, so good. sure. Insight. This you didn't insight check. Long con. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Yeah, it's, you know, and that was the thing that I had been planning that for months before they finally got to it. And it worked out great. And it was a fantastic, like, cinematic moment of him trying to escape, jumped out a window. The druid jumped out of the window as the leopard landed and shot an acid arrow and took him out. Oh, my God. Why don't you have an actual play podcast? What the heck? (laughs) Oh, actually, that was another thing. I... To go Scheduling. Back to we, we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scheduling is a big problem. Um, I also actually do have an actual play coming up soon, and we can get into it later. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I forgot about it. I just, we haven't aired yet. So, well, yeah, it's interesting to also think about like where you're adding that tension. You know, my, my reference point was adding enough tension that your big bad situation can be valuable. Like, I remember one instance where they knew they had the time, they prepped to the absolute nth degree so there was a lot of tension in those final moments that did all of our dominoes stack the right way that we can knock them all down absolutely devastated the big bad that i had Mm -hmm. in basically one round but but that in that moment that was perfect of course it did like if there had been no you know no prep if you will and just it shows up it just blows up Mm -hmm. i guess that's not fun but like of course you did you spent so much time and effort that like you set it up all correctly. So there was all the tension in the roles because it's like, well, you need to be able to do X 
mm-hmm. pretty well. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to do Y. It needs to not happen this way. And this needs to go right or your plan falls apart. And yeah. then one, two, three, four. And yeah, like I said, it was it was absolutely devastating for that poor, poor individual that I had placed out in front of them. I think it was like it was a huge Minotaur fighter and they because they had like done enlarge and then did another spell. And then it was like try and prep for a crit. And it was just all these things. It, it was great because like you're like you're saying, narratively, they all invested in that moment of tension. But the other side of it is what you just just brought up is there's a lot. Especially, it makes me think about The Walking Dead in the sense that often when you would watch it, there was a level of tension that would instill in me the better things got. Because that's not what the show is about. The show is about things being bad. And so the better mm-hmm. they got, ultimately that moment would happen, like you said, is it is it this twist? Is it this turn of a certain character? And then tension echoes. And mm-hmm. so it's the echoes of tension and it's either you're kind of coming towards the epicenter of that or you're moving away from it. Um, so the, that is really good, like having that NPC that they've always trusted. Um, and I can pick a few in my head where I know that twist would hit really hard. I don't know if I'll do that because my players listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, But you never know. <laughs> you don't know who it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, having that twist and then those echoes is really, really good because like you said, that person saved your life. It's like, yeah, but did they save our lives because... They had ulterior motives was the whole purpose just to indoctrinate like us into this thing that we didn't even know we were going into. Ah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, when you add diversity to the NPCs as well, like one add diversity in probably the way that you heard me say it, but also add diversity in the sense of like, I have NPCs who are like, like super stoic and hard to read. I have NPCs that are like gruff. And even though they're honest with you, they also don't care about you or your feelings and how they, you know what I mean? Um, and then I have NPCs who are like light and fluffy and, you know, and, and lovable and mixing that up so that it's not just like most players or maybe not most, but some players can definitely read a GM and be like, oh, okay, this situation, I got you. But I think when you can mix up how the NPCs interact and act on their mannerisms, things like that, it also leads to that situation of like having to do more work to figure out if you can trust somebody. And I think that that like in a role-playing game is so valuable. Like if your table's willing to take the time to like treat NPCs and their relationships with them, like actual interpersonal relationships and like have to do some of that messy work to like figure out who's good, who's bad, who's just in the middle, who's there just for monetary gain. Who's, you know what I mean? Like what are this NPC's motivations? I think it really helps to lend to like the deeper story. And the mystery behind a lot of that stuff, the tension of the story and and how do you get into it? Because, yeah, I mean, I think like for sure it's it's having those moments of like, oh, I had this groundbreaking moment with this person and they showed up, right? And even though like I thought they were jerked this whole time and they were actually here and now I can go in and figure out a new way to trust them, right? Or it's like, oh, yeah, but this lady, you know, she sold me all my clothes and, you know. <laughs> She also works for the mafia um, and now we're doomed. So, well, and I think that's something you have to be a little bit deliberate about and it's a really good skill to develop, but it's also maybe a skill that's harder for newer players or people who don't necessarily think like totally narratively that type mm-hmm. of thing like that. Because when you look at like a pre-printed module, it might give you a little backstory about some of these characters and some of those motivations, but you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to like add that level of complexity, but you have to be pretty deliberate about it to know like, yeah, what their hidden agendas are without just saying like, oh, they have a scar over their face and a mafia tattoo <laughs> on their forehead and it just is evil or something like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, there's like this delicate interplay, but it like from what you're saying and from my own experience too, like the rewards are the gasp is amazing when they're just like, I did not see that coming at all. Yeah. And I think like when you're running a game for somebody, especially if they're new players, it's important to take the time to go, okay, like I can use these early moments to teach them about how this game might go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so give them those moments of like, yeah, this player flipped on you. And, you know, now you don't know if you can trust them. Like I love in combat to just bust out scary moves in the first round. It puts your players in a place of like, oh yeah, like we're confident, like, oh, it's just one against four. Oh yeah, we got this. 
And then the monk teleports across the room, grabs you and spins you around and throws you against the wall 15 feet away. And you're like, hang mm-hmm. on, wait, what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm not a monk. I didn't read that class. Like, he can do what now? Uh, <laughs> and that changes because then it's like, wait, you know, the players, and, and even though like we try not to metagame, right? It's still like, okay, well, what level are they? Like, how powerful? Like, that was a lot of damage. And that that shakes up the combat. And all of a sudden now you're in a different situation where the players have to learn how to navigate this, decide, do I spend my turn trying to get help, trying to make a lot of noise? Or do I spend my turn running away? Or do we just try to fight this out and hope we can win? And even like in that situation, like they beat him, not like nobody got super badly injured. Um, They were able to beat him, but like they thought that they were going to get TPK'd. And I think that that's great. So <laughs> I think one of the, the interesting things is also, especially when you start to think about the how long a PC could be alive or an NPC could mm-hmm. be alive. One of the things that I think about is the idea that all three, you know, in the real world, all three of us could easily meet a person under three different circumstances and the three of us walk away with the interaction uh, with that individual very differently. Let's say it's me on a personal level and I think they're great. They're a great friend to me. It's wonderful. Matt, you worked with them and you think they are the worst. Both oh, totally and, true. <laughs> yeah. And, and Navar, you're pretty neutral. It's a casual acquaintance. And if anything, you've heard more stories from the two of us and you're just kind of confused at the end of the day. Like the idea that where, when and where you meet that person, especially if you think about creating tension from the interactions from someone's past, mm-hmm. because 20 years ago, 30 years ago, a hundred years ago, what interactions did a PC mm-hmm. have? What interactions did an NPC have? And who even were they? back then Mm -hmm. the idea of creating tension from from those past experiences i think is a lot of fun too because you could have someone in your party who is selfless they're all in it you know they're all in on the team they do anything they can to help someone out but did they come to that road because they weren't that way Mm -hmm. and there are people out there in the world who remember how they used to be Mm -hmm. and then creating that tension of trying to navigate who they were versus who they are um, I think is really fun. And certainly I, I need to put this caveat here at this moment. This is not something you need to do for everything, for every situation. The like you need to really find those NPCs um or or the PCs that this could work for, or the NPCs that already you see that investment level from your players, or you need that investment level for your narrative. Um, and then you know, turning this kind of dial up. This is not something you need to do for all of them. <laughs> right. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Because then it, it then it, it has less meaning. I think like, you know, I talked about that I had written a Last of Us inspired TTRPG. A huge, re- I mean, I love that series. A huge reason why is because the tension in the games. You, I don't know if you've played The Last of Us. I, I, yeah. So when you're when you're playing that game, you'll be in a completely empty building, terrified of opening a door of making too much noise you know what i mean and it's like and then you you make it all the way through the house and you're like all right yep there was nothing in here i was scared for no reason uh, sure. mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's because of those moments of those moments of quiet of just like oh like look at how beautiful nature is that you just like it's like that that wave right and it has to it has to be waves and sometimes the waves like sometimes you have a longer period of downtime of of not having to deal with um something like very strenuous and taking those moments and then bringing in something again is what helps kind of keep that going because tension doesn't work if you're always like if you know it's going to happen all the time um so you really have to like really work to balance it and mix it up so it's not always just like the same like oh well all right my gm every time we do a big fight we get a week off and then there's another big fight right like your players are going to learn that so Mm-hmm. mix it up have stage two uh, it's, it's, it's a thing that a thing that rarely happens but the level of, t- of tension that can occur for, i think of the end of ocarina of time where i guess spoiler alert it's on like five systems and if you're like a Neil, no, <laughs> no i haven't played it well <laughs> played it my just bad. kidding i i had it on nintendo 64 i got it for christmas in 1997 so, but the idea that like you you defeat Ganon 
And then he turns into terrifying version immediately after. And like, I remember that original tension because, you know, it's, you know, it's before the internet was what it is now. And you're just like, oh no. Oh, oh no. This is, this is the worst thing. I really hope I can, I really hope that I can do this. And yeah, especially if, like you said, you you're, find yourself in a rut. Cause I, I know a lot of the advice we give out is for new DMs and GMs, but I, I always try and think about like, kind of some of the pitfalls that I fall into at times as someone who has been like the forever GM. And I think that's a really good thing is, is there are things that you just tend to do because you're a, you're a human, like Mm -hmm. you you fall into routines because Mm -hmm. you're doing the same thing, but trying to figure out what changes you could make to how you're running the game to create more tension. And basically it's just mixing it up, finding something new. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, even in it, you know, it doesn't always have to be in those, NPC moments or a combat moments either. Like it, it can happen in exploration as well. And in just the way that you describe something, right. Of just like, I mean, th- think about how terrifying it is to just like be in like a completely quiet space, right? Like you're just like, <laughs> every sound is amplified. So like, you know, if you're a person who goes hiking or, you know, or just like, I don't know, whatever, like whatever you're out and about and the things that those moments where you feel like real life, worry like how do you how would you describe that moment like if i was going to give advice to jim about that like that's like that's the things that i can think about like how do you how would you describe this moment to let them to let the players know like something is happening and sometimes it's it's that sometimes it's just like as they're walking like oh cool you guys are having a great day cool let me just roll this dice does the dice have to mean anything it can I love the fake dice roll. <laughs> oh, me too. I'm a big fan. Was it? Oh, you'll find out later. <laughs> yeah. Find out later. It didn't mean yeah. anything, but oh, it does have yeah. the sense of. Yeah, I rolled for the weather, and the weather was sunny. I'll tell you. Yeah. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> oh, that that. Just so we're clear, that's fun on both sides of the screen. Um, hey, Navar, can I get you to roll a d20 real quick? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> With what modifier? Just just a d20. No, no, wait, I didn't ask for that. I just said roll a d20. That's all. Uh, yeah a yeah. luck it's just a luck roll that's all <laughs> yeah that's it my first thought when you when you kind of laid out that scene i think something interesting to do and i don't feel like i do it very much and i'm trying to think of other actual plays that maybe do but in that moment of tension i think one of the things is to describe more of what they're doing because i think that's something that we as people realize in those moments of quietness is that like i can hear my own breath Every footfall that I have is louder. Everything I'm doing just feels louder. And then you, and then you know, you start to tailor that into the fantasy realm. Um, let's say it's the fighter; uh, you can hear every scrape from every piece of your armor. Mm. If it's the mage, you can mm. hear every potion bottle clink together. You can, I mean, and so it's like, so it's the thief. Every dagger is hitting against every other dagger. You know, you can. Uh, the bard you can hear the loot um you know switch switching it up so that like you focus it back on them mm-hmm. and I, they're more likely gonna think okay but, but what's happening out here why are you telling me those things i don't want to hear them. Yeah. <laughs> why do i need to know that yeah and it, it's just or like you know having god like sometimes i'll write random encounters and it's just like you come across like a mummified body like in the jungle, you know what I mean? Like, because it came up on the random encounter table, why is this here? Right. And I think what, anytime you can get a player to wonder, like, why is this here? Um, you can create some of those moments, right? You, again, the same thing, all things in balance. So you can't just keep doing that and never giving them something for it. But I think like you can create a lot of moments. And two, I think if you have, especially new players, sometimes giving them those little layups to say like, me as a GM, I know that this is not going to be anything big, but it gives you an opportunity in this downtime where you're just walking around through the forest to role play with each other. Like, how do you interact? How does your, how does the fighter talk to the wizard about this thing when they have two different points of view about what could possibly have happened here? How are you looking at it? You know what I mean? Like, I think that that makes it a lot of fun in, in ways that you can, again, just kind of like spice up the session and add those, those tense moments. 
That's awesome. So we're kind of getting close to our time. So one of the things that we always like to do is we like to give homework. It's the best kind. It's basically fun things that we think a person could go read. They could watch. They could play um, to experience some of the tension that we're talking about. So I know you've already alluded to the idea of Last of Us, but is there any other, like I said, like, you know, is it a novel? Is it a comic? Is it a show? Is it a movie um, that you can kind of think of that illustrates well the idea of tension? Yeah, my favorite show example is Luther uh, on BBC with Idris Elba. One of the greatest shows of all time. Continue. Yes. Yeah. I will say, uh, because I've, I forget that other people don't have the same like um, uh, numbness to some of the things in media that I do. So content warnings, because it is, uh, it's pretty graphic and it's, it is very intense. But if those things don't bother you, like I read the content warnings, like to get a better clue of it but it's absolutely incredible Idris Elba plays a detective who just is more brilliant than everybody else and likes to solve things his way and um it has one of the greatest villains uh in media that I've ever seen and I think just the way that it's written the tension is palpable so good you you alluded to the fact that you really like Sherlock Holmes. There is mm-hmm. nothing that says if he put on the right hat and lived at the right place, that is such a great, really modern sensibilities version of Sherlock Holmes. If, if that if that sounds like it's up your alley. But like you said, there is a heavy, con- heavy content warning. Correct. Yeah. Also, the BBC Sherlock is great with Benedict Cumberbatch. Also, Elementary is great with Johnny Lee Miller. But I would say Luther does the best when it comes to tension specifically that I can think of. So I can throw one out. So one of the game, the games that came to mind again, and unfortunately I also need to put a content warning on my suggestion, but the telltale version of the walking dead yes. is so good about tension because it's like, you said, so little is happening, but at the same time, you're so scared of what is happening next. Um, and you're needing to make hard choices because uh, can I trust this person? Can I not trust this person? What's going to happen next? Um, so the tension is really there. And it's another really good way to draw from draw NPCs because if we're being honest the whole team people made that NPC so there's no reason not to go ahead and take that and put it in your game mm-hmm. um, we don't need to make wheels everyone we just need to find really nice wheels and maybe shine them up change mm-hmm. change a few letters and then um, go ahead and use those but yeah the Telltale series for The Walking Dead is really really good I mean even like the first two seasons of The Walking Dead you're going to want to watch more after that but I'd do it or don't uh, but the first two seasons specifically of The Walking Dead were fantastic in the way that they did that because you didn't, there was so much you didn't know. And they did a really good job of like stuff's happening off screen that you like nobody, like you even as an audience member don't know. And the player and the players and the, uh, the cast, the actors, they're trying to figure it out. And yeah, I think that that is really good. But like, I mean, like the post apocalyptic stuff obviously has, uh, it built in because the whole world has changed, right? But I think when you can find even kind of rings of power, I won't get into details, but like the rings of power on on Amazon that just recently came out did a really good job in certain elements of creating tension. Are you Sauron? Are you Sauron? <laughs> who's yeah. Sauron? Are you Sauron? Yeah. yeah. It did it did a good job of who's Sauron. Um yeah. Be, I mean, but I mean sure. like, you know, having like a mystery NPC, right? Of just like this person doesn't know who they are, you don't know who they are, what's happening. So yeah, I, I have a curse that anytime I'm on a recording, I can never remember things that I need to remember. Like people, I'm like, you know that actor who did the thing with the thing mm-hmm. every time. <laughs> so the other one so w- once you said the walking dead the first two seasons and then the rest is up to you it brought up one of my favorite tv experiences i would suggest the first season of heroes and i would not mm. suggest any more seasons yeah of heroes i agree with after that. that i had a friend <laughs> who had already watched everything and he was like you've never seen heroes i was like, no i've never seen it he's like you should watch the first season and then never watch a minute afterwards he's like, i'll <laughs> tell you what happens after but i don't think you should watch it so my personal heroes watching experience is perfect it, i watched the first season and i turned it off he told me things and then i said wow thank you yeah um okay here's another one and again my media sensibilities but true detective Season one is the best season of television I've ever seen in my life. Even better than Luther, I would say. True Detective is incredible. It does an amazing thing of 
making you feel afraid in the same way you would feel afraid about a supernatural thing. And it's just real people. And that is terrifying. And I think like having like, if you can tap into that specifically, specifically in season one, season two and season three do a great job, but season one is especially insane. It's so good. The Outsider, again, <laughs> this is also, uh, I don't know. I watched, I watched scary graphic TV. I don't know. Well, I think one of the other really good pieces of advice that I had thought of first is if you can think, you know, you listener, wherever you are, whatever you think is the greatest X that you've ever seen, the likelihood that tension that speaks to you exists inside of it is pretty high. I mean, short of something that is really episodic or not episodic. Um, it's just individual, you know, flavor. Like serialized, of yeah. Yeah, really serialized. You know, if you watched one episode and watched an episode 10 later and like you didn't have any problems, um, then maybe that tension isn't there. I mean, <laughs> no, none of, apparently we just watch terrible things. I don't. Uh, I mean, so, okay, Kipo, if you've ever seen. Um, you know, especially people with kids or just people who like cartoons. Kipo on Netflix is an incredible cartoon. And I'm thinking back on it now. I feel like they do a great job um, of having moments. And obviously this is like lighter tension because it's a kid show. But they are, they do a lot of stuff of like planning the plot, introducing new people, not sure how those interactions are going to go. Um, having really good interpersonal react, uh, interactions that feel amazing. Kipo, K-I-P-O, on Netflix. Check it out. And I would be remiss, since I have a podcast about it, if I didn't suggest that you should go watch Young Justice. um, Because it is is truly episodic. Tension is created from front to back. There are things in season one that pay off in season four. And it's just like, you can't believe it. Then you go watch the things and you're just like, oh, cool. You kept a 10-year-long reference running and paid it off. Literal 10 real world years later. Fantastic. Young Justice's peak cartoon TV. For yes. sure. Matt, do you have any suggestions? Uh, I've heard some really good stuff about Ocarina of Time. <laughs> True. That was pretty pretty suspenseful. Ganondorf to Ganon. Spoiler. Uh, right there. Um, among Us, I heard that's a pretty suspenseful game. I've never played it before, but I guess someone's going to be a murderer in there. Um, I think my one piece of advice, I don't watch a lot of media these days. Because I'm a, I'm a teacher at the moment and I get really busy. Uh, but I think like having your like your big bad do something unexpected. Like I think that's one of the things that we've talked about. You could have NBCs have their hidden agendas. You could do exploration and fun in different ways, like add tension there. But I think like I think one of the greatest things you can do is you could have like a magical um, big bad counter spell like a healing spell type of thing i think that's great when they're like oh yeah you're at zero hit points so roll for healing you know like you know roll for death saves and then it's suddenly like oh yeah i cast healing word counter spell like oh my gosh that is a moment where now that like the big bad knows like oh yeah i understand what death saving throws are and i'm going to make sure that there are consequences for these actions or you know if there's you know two attacks have one of those attacks just stab into a person and make sure that they take one extra death saving throw, just to add a little tension there. So like they know that this like clock is heightened. And I think that's like, even just within combat, that's just a little extra thing that you can do to make their behavior surprising. Cause like we've been kind of reflecting on it. Navar, you've been really great. Like at explaining this, it's this unexpected, this, this wave, it's this payoff and you know, like, Oh yeah, they have armor class of 18, but it's maybe something they're doing faster or a feat that they have that you don't expect. Like that's the thing that really like adds that tension and makes this thing a little bit more dramatic than just by the book gameplay. Yeah. And our most important question, Navar, where can people go on this wide internet to find all of the things you're doing? So mostly on Twitter, mostly and unfortunately. Um <laughs> uh yeah, you can find me at Navar N-A-V-A-A-R. SNP, like Secret Nerd Podcast. Um, that's where you can find me talking about um, the game that I'm making, uh, my random thoughts about TTRPGs and music and uh, other things. And then if you want to follow the podcast, um, Secret Nerd Podcast, wherever you pod, um, but also Secret NRD Social on Twitter f- to follow the actual podcast uh, Twitter, which mostly updates and I retweet a lot of stuff from marginalized creators. I will also be on a 
Star Wars podcast playing a character who may or may not be associated with the Jedi. It's going to be amazing. Pathfinder 2E system uh, with some homebrew because obviously it doesn't, it's not built for Star Wars, uh, but we made it work. And um, I'm so excited. Really incredible uh, cast. And that will be coming out early next year. Uh, but you can follow that at Unwavering Force on Twitter and find out about that. Uh, follow us so you can we can unlock some more cast reveals. And we do we're doing like little um, audio drama clips. I've done mine already. Uh, go listen to it. Um, it was a lot of fun to make, and I um, hope it made somebody cry. Perfect. What well, and then hit us again with what was the one page game that you had already made? Yeah, it's called uh, the Last Detective. So yeah, if you want to find my games, and by the time that this comes out, um, you can find the newest game. Uh, just go to navarsnp.itch.io, and yeah, and you can find the Last Detective. I also made a D twenty Monopoly game. So instead of playing normal boring Monopoly, every time you land on somebody's uh, property, you have to fight them in a one v one. And every time you get all three buildings, you get to level up and just basically play a King of the Hill style D20 Monopoly game. That's that's amazing. That still sounds less violent than 90% of the Monopoly games I've ever played in. <laughs> exactly. You have an outlet to release this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every, everyone that, that can hear my voice that I have the opportunity to tell the best version of Monopoly that I've played so far is called Builder Monopoly. And the only reason it's good is because there is a specific win condition and then the game is over and you tally your points and you move on with your life. There you go. Yeah. Check it out. That one's free. So, um, yeah, if you just want to like spice up your Monopoly game with your family. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Build some character sheets and play some some D20 Monopoly. Perfect. Navar, thank you so much for coming on. That was a um, I had a genuinely good time, just like I said I would in the beginning. Um, So, yeah, thank you and for talking through adding tension. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We just wanted to thank LeVar again for coming on and talking to us about tension, how to create it. Because like I said in the beginning, like we said throughout the episode, without tension, the game can only be so fun. But if you liked that and you want to tell us about how you put tension into your game you can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com and of course if you see fit and you wanted to leave us a review you can head over to apple podcasts or anywhere that pods are cast and definitely leave us a rating and review if it lets you uh, you can also find us on social media at dms underscore block that's e- dms underscore block on twitter we're also on facebook and trying to get everywhere that people may want to find us and of course As always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. And as always, thank you for listening to the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of everyone else at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night, good luck, and keep on Dungeon Mastering.